Welcome to another episode of the Common Grace Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Story, and I am so excited for you to meet our guest today. Uh, Jeff Pickering is the Policy Communications Director at the ERLC, where he serves under President Russell Moore. Um, In this episode, we take a deep dive into the idea that the way that we engage in political discussion as believers can actually make or break our witness. Um, And I could not be more excited for you to listen in on our conversation. So without further ado, here is our interview with Jeff Pickering. First off, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate you taking time because I know you guys got a lot of stuff happening. Um, But for those who may not know what the ERLC is or what the ERLC does, uh, give us a a quick little description on what you guys exist to do. Sure. Well, Josh, thanks for for inviting uh, me to, to come on your podcast. And, and talk about these really important issues in this uh, in this time. The ERLC, uh, it's an acronym that many of my family and friends often uh, mix up somewhere along the way. Uh, so it, st- it, it stands for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Uh, we are uh, the public policy uh, and ethics entity of America's largest Protestant denomination of churches, the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, so the ERLC of the SBC, just keeping the acronym trend going, but you and I are <laughs> Aggies from Texas A&M. That's right. uh, so we like acronyms. We understand acronyms. But uh, yeah, so the ERLC, we exist, um, you know, we exist right at the intersection of faith and culture and politics and ethics um, as both a uh, a, a moral witness to the culture, but also, and really more importantly, and more fundamentally to our mission, um, a, a moral teaching voice to the churches of our convention and to Christians and evangelicalism uh, here in the States and, and globally. Um, and we, we aim to help Christians apply, uh, apply the gospel, apply the theology of the kingdom of Christ to uh, everyday issues, uh, so so we, we think about applying the applying kingdom theology to moral discipleship. So, you know, right now a lot of times that looks like helping our churches and Christians think well about technology. Mm. What's going to happen is artificial intelligence becomes much more common in daily uh, economics and in right. life and education. Uh, I saw I saw saw an article recently about well the the great screen time wars have been fought and the screens <laughs> won. Uh, I hope that's not totally true. I hope that's just a you know pandemic uh, a pandemic totally. thing. But um, but yeah, so you know thinking about everything from like cultural things like like that and political political things uh, here in in DC. So I'm uh, I am in our Washington DC office. We have an office in cool. Nashville, Tennessee, and here in Washington. Uh, and our team's job in Washington is is not so much speaking to the church and equipping the church, but rather speaking uh, speaking as a voice from the Southern Baptist Convention into the policymaking process here in D.C. So our office is uh, in a row house on Capitol Hill on Second Street, right, right, really across the street from the Supreme Court uh, and the and the Senate, the Capitol building. There, we spend most of our time 
meeting with members of Congress and their staff as we're trying to help shape the legislative process, both advocate for good things, advocate against bad things yeah. uh, from happening, uh, spend time uh, before the Supreme Court by writing briefs on a variety of, of cases on important issues, uh, as well as uh, at the White House and throughout the administration at the different executive uh, branch departments and agencies, uh, and uh, doing some international uh, work as well. So um, that's predominantly uh, before the United Nations, because that's kind of a one-stop shop, depending on the issue that we're working on. But yeah, um, we, we can get into to some of those specifics, but uh, to give people a little bit more of a grasp on what we do from a policy advocacy standpoint here in Washington, the, uh, the, our, our portfolio of issues can, can be distilled down into a couple of categories. And the first would be uh, what's in our name, religious liberty, uh, mm. care about religious liberty issues, human dignity issues, justice issues, um, family stability issues, and, uh, and then international issues uh, would, would be the fifth. And, and internationally, it's really a reflection of all those other issues, whether it be human dignity or, or religious liberty or justice or something like that. So, so really, you guys aren't really doing a whole lot, right? You're just kind of hanging out yeah. and doing things here and yeah. there. And no, <laughs> gathering. you know, it's, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. We're just <laughs> hanging out. Um, you know, no. we're just hanging out. Uh, there's, you know, there, there, there are no, you know, there's not, there, there's not much going on right now during 2020. So yeah, no, I can imagine. Out. No, man, I think that is absolutely <laughs> incredible. And I think that it's encouraging too, because I would imagine there's a lot of believers that look at Washington and don't even know that there are biblically minded gospel based people that are on the front lines that are interacting with people, you know, on the Hill saying, Hey, let, let's fight for this. And let's actually try to implement policy that's, you know, honoring to the Lord and also just good for humanity. Um, I think right. there's a lot of folks that don't recognize that that's really happening. So that's awesome. Yeah. I living in Washington feels a bit like being a zoo animal or, <laughs> okay. or living in a fishbowl in that a lot of people, you know, the, it's, it, it's like New York in that it's one of the media capitals of the world. Right. It's always interesting to know what people's perceptions of life and work in, in Washington is from, the, from what they see on TV or hear right, on the radio totally. or, or listen to on, on podcasts. Uh, compared to what life is actually actually like here, right? Yeah. Um, so no, I, I hope that our work can can be an encouragement uh, to folks beyond uh, beyond the the uh, beyond the craziness and chaos of what they might see on TV. Yeah, totally. So you know, there are so many things happening in the world that Christians should care about, um, and I think that oftentimes people can be so overwhelmed by what's happening. What are the current things that you see? What are policies that believers should actually really care about in the world right now that y'all are actually involved in? One of the most important things um, that I would say believers should be aware of when it comes to uh, when it comes to policy issues is how we think about the imago. And you know, I, I recognize that image of God is not necessarily something that's going to be in a uh, you know, in a bill uh, per right. se, uh, or a specific point of debate. I mean, even even somebody that's not a Christian, you know, might hear, 
you know, might hear why, you know, might, might hear a Christian say that and think, okay, I don't even really know what that means. That's cool that you think I'm made in the image of God, but I have no idea what that means. Right. But the reason that I, that, that I would start there and say that Christians need to think about the image of God uh, on uh, stamped on every single human being as uh, you know, as, as, as really an, an ultimate uh, thing when we think about our engagement in politics is because um a a Christian who understands uh, who understands how immeasurably valuable their fellow man is because mm. he or she uh, are made in the image of God is is a Christian uh, who's going to be able to engage in the in the political process uh, without becoming um, too narrow minded in their approach to what policies uh, what policies matter uh gotcha. the most right so like i think uh i i think too often the you know the debate uh the debate on uh human dignity uh gets boiled down uh to what i would what i would argue is probably the the first policy issue that matters for human dignity which is abortion mm. uh and you know the 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 pro-life position uh for a christian who's informed by uh, you know, by scriptures called that every single one of us are made in the image of God, it certainly has to start somewhere. And it certainly right. should start uh, with, you know, with the dignity of, of humanity from, from the very beginning of life, right? We, we, we see in the Psalms that, that God formed us in our, in our mother's womb. Like he, he knew us from the very beginning and, uh, and, and that Imago Dei is stamped on you from the very beginning, but it also, it also carries with you all the way through life, through issues. Uh, you know, we we often say, and and it's kind of become cliche. So we're trying not to say it quite as much. But one thing that people say is a pro life position, a human dignity ethic from womb to tomb. And you know, that kind of the bookends of life kind of makes yeah, sense totally. for people to think about to think about elder care, uh, uh, care for the elderly, and and standing against things like physician assisted suicide. But if a Christian is able to bring that thorough, robust understanding of how all, all humanity matters made in the image of God, then it's going to change the way that you think about almost every issue. Um, yeah, totally. Government, government is a God ordained institution, Romans, Romans 13, uh, um, among other scriptures that I could point to. In fact, um, you know, we often are in our conversations with, uh, with government officials and policymakers, we're talking about how, how, uh, you know, there are three institutions ordained in scripture. Um, there is the family, the government, and the church. And so the government matters. The government has a role to play. Uh, and especially, not, not really because of the election, uh, but more because of the pandemic, right? We see that at every level of government, from Washington, D.C., and the federal government on down to the public health offices and, and, you know, mayor's offices that are trying to make just impossible decisions along with their school boards on, like, totally. how a local government can best serve, protect, and care for their people during, uh, during, this, during this difficult difficult time of crisis. Um, and so, you know, when you recognize that, that God has ordained God for a purpose, for our good, um, you know, I, I think a, a really good place to start human dignity so that you know that you that God cares about humanity, uh, whether in uh, a preborn little girl uh, in the womb or a, an immigrant child in their mother's arms uh, mm. trying to come to this country seeking asylum here. 
uh, or you know the life of somebody who's been wrongly convicted and uh, they're or, or or convicted of a sentence that didn't quite match their crime, uh, the way that our criminal justice system treats people, uh, or the uh, African American brother who has been wrongly wrongly uh, assaulted by a law enforcement officer, right? That, that we that we recognize that that matters, that we that we care about that individual, um, all the way through a whole a whole totally. variety of issues. Man, I think that's so insightful. Um, and something that I think I see a lot play out is that when people read scripture, right, they see everything that you're saying, right? They, they see that, you know, if we are all created in the image of God, um, then there's an inherent worth and val- value to every single person. And that applies to the unborn, but that also applies to the immigrant that applies to the refugee that is, Mm -hmm. you know, fleeing oppression and seeking asylum. Mm -hmm. And I think in our current climate, one of those ideas is considered conservative. And one of those ideas is considered liberal, right? That, you know, care for the unborn would be a traditionally more conservative view. And, you know, immigration reform might be a more liberal view. How do we as Christians even begin to enter into those conversations in a way that, you know, isn't marked by partisanship or isn't marked by those types of loyalties that aren't putting scripture first. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think we have to start with where our citizenship as Christians, uh, where our citizenship uh, ultimately, uh, ultimately is placed. So yeah. um, these issues matter. Um you know, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, recognize how much a government matters when they see how different governments around the world have handled this pandemic. Mm, yeah. You know, there are places where the death toll is just a lot higher uh, than it should be. Um, there, there are, you know, we're also, we, we can compare how, how state governments have even handled the pandemic within the United States. Uh, and see the difference, literally, of life and death that public policy uh, can make, and the and the reason that having uh, having government leaders of competence and character really really matters during a time of 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 crisis. So I, I think we're seeing that uh, right now through this this current moment, and uh, so it matters. Right. Um, but my citizenship uh, as a as a resident of Washington D.C. But really, ultimately, my citizenship is uh, as a, uh, a Texan uh, of the right. Republic of Texas, right? Because uh, all Texans will will find their way back to Texas, or uh, or at least in in their hearts uh, <laughs> right. for the rest of their life. It it matters, right? I'm yeah. I am proud to be an American, uh, but it's not ultimate. And if I can mm-hmm. start there by recognizing, uh, as as our ERLC president Russell Moore says in his book Onward, I can actually I can actually be a better uh, a better citizen of my country, of my state, of my of my city, when I recognize that my citizenship in the kingdom of God is first and foremost. And so I think if we start there at the identity level, uh, that we recognize that we actually have more in common with a with a uh, with a Christian in Nigeria uh, than we do with a uh, non Christian neighbor of ours, mm. because we're going to be we're going to be. Uh, we're going to be living and uh, on into eternity uh, with our fellow Christians uh, in a way that, mu- that, that, that far exceeds and, out- and outlasts uh, the time that, that we are here. 
it doesn't mean our citizenship uh, in, in, uh, in the place where God doesn't matter, not at all. Um, but if we are going to steward our citizenship in the United States well as Christians, uh, then we first have to recognize that our citizenship is in the kingdom of God ultimately. Mm. Um, so that's the, that's the theological uh, viewpoint. And, and what that does then is it, it frees you up to, to follow scripture where scripture yeah. leads uh, and it will protect you from falling prey uh, to the, you know, the, so, so I'll just say this. We, we look back in history and we wonder how could somebody possibly go along with, with, uh, you know, with, with a great, with a great sin of their time, whatever that is, right. The Holocaust right. is, is probably the most, uh, the most often, used example of like, how could people go along with that? Right. Totally. Well, when you, when you start thinking that when, when you get your identity misplaced in your, in your nation state as first and foremost, or your political party, first and foremost, you know, it, it might, it, it's like, it's like shooting an arrow at a target, right? Mm. When it first happens, you might just be off a little bit. And I know this is a podcast and, and people are going to have to imagine this visual with us, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That arrow is off just a little bit at the start, right? So if I get my citizenship priorities wrong, it, it's off just a little bit. But as it as it works its way toward that target, um, you're nowhere near the bullseye where God has made you to be. Mm. Um, so I think to to be, you know, to to in some ways be faithful to the issues uh, that. Um, that are our ultimate uh, as a as a biblically informed Christian, we have to start with with that identity uh, with that identity question. Yeah, dude, I think that's so wise. Yeah, that our citizenship here matters, but it's not ultimate, right? That it's not the ultimate right. citizenship. It's not our ultimate allegiance. Um, let me ask you this: I recently heard someone quote First uh, Thessalonians four eleven through twelve. Uh, okay. It says this, it says, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to, and to work with your hands uh, as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders. And I heard this person quote that passage um, as a reason to not engage politically or to not engage in the public sphere, meaning that, hey, you know, what Paul challenges us to do is to live quietly, to kind of mind, mind our own affairs, don't get too loud, don't try to, you know, stir things up. Um, what do you think our role as followers of Christ is when it comes to engaging? Because obviously we, we do have these two citizenships that can at times feel in conflict, but also understanding that we do have a citizenship here that we do need to speak up and we need to be a part of what's happening, you know, in our world. What, what really is our balance between kind of walking that, that line of, you know, aspiring to live a quiet life, but then also being active in uh, policy changes. Yeah. I, I, I think that's actually a really, a really, uh, a really good verse uh, to remember for our own spiritual health in an election year. And probably every election year, but certainly this election year, where there are so many dueling uh, crises around us that can totally. make people feel really, uh, you know, really uprooted, um, not just uprooted from their daily rhythms, but so many of us 
are uprooted from our church communities in the way that we were used to experiencing our, our church communities. So many of us are uprooted from our, our, you know, friends and, and maybe even older family members that we're trying to keep our distance so that we can keep everybody safe during this time. And so um, it can be very easy then to try to fill that identity gap uh, with, with partisanship, with politics, by watching, you know, watching or, or reading or scrolling, uh, all the time and, and trying to find your identity, uh, find your identity in the, in the political games, gamesmanship of the day. So uh, I actually think that that's a really, a really good verse uh, for, for folks to remember during this time when there are, you know, there are a lot of Christians even, or people that, let's say it like this, there are a lot of people that claim the name of Christ uh, who would say who are who are just screaming and yelling right now into the right, abyss? Totally. And there are a lot of people who would say that, you know, sort of uh, I, the the attributes of Christ, the you know the uh, the gentleness of Christ, right? The uh, the uh, the lowliness of Christ, and, and yeah, those totally. two words come to mind right now because I'm reading Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly, which I would highly, highly, highly recommend uh, to anybody who's looking for. a good book on the heart of Christ. Um, there are many people who would, who would even look at something as, as, as simple as the commandment to turn the other cheek. And I say simple because it, you know, it, it really is a simple commandment. Um, but there are many people who would look at that and say, nope, that doesn't work. We have to go, we have to go another way because these mm-hmm. issues are too important. We have to fight. Um, we have to fight with uh, the way of the world, but that's just not, that is not Christianly. That is not yeah. biblical. That is not the way of of God's of God's people, um, and so, you no. Know, I, I I would say that having an aim to live a quiet life is actually it's a good goal for the end of our uh, political engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our work on religious liberty issues is often, especially before the judicial branch, where we see some of these conflicts. Uh, in their sharpest contrast, is advocating for someone who is just trying to live a quiet, godly life, following their uh, the convictions of their conscience as God has as God has informed their conscience. Um, and it's it's one of the really beautiful things about America that I do uh, that I do hope to uh, that I do hope to conserve in in my lifetime is that ability to follow. Uh, to follow your faith, to follow your conscience, to have a free exercise of religion uh, so that we can live a quiet and godly life, raising Mm -hmm. our families in the way in which the scriptures uh, encourage and and command us to raise our, our families. So much of religious liberty advocacy is, is uh, making sure that the government stays in its lane uh, and and doesn't try to steamroll people's consciences, uh, and and often it's to live a quiet uh, and godly life. And I'll also say that a lot of churches are are doing that right now. Yeah. Uh, when it when it comes to the creativity uh, that they have to uh, employ to uh, continue continuing to gather together in some really creative ways uh, during the COVID nineteen crisis. Uh, we don't often see that on right. 
uh, online or on on TV or, or other media outlets, right? We see the loud examples, right? Um, but you know, we were just uh, we were just in in touch uh, uh, with the church. Uh, you know, there, there's been, there, there, there's been a lot of, of, of sort of, uh, curiosity and focus on, uh, on religious liberty conflicts, uh, with, with different mayor's offices around the country. And, and, uh, we were in touch with one church in a state that's been in the headlines quite a bit. And we're like, Hey, are, are you guys doing okay? And they said, actually, you know, this, this season of our ministry, we've built even closer connections with our local government office really? uh, because of all of these changes. And it's opened up some new lines of communication and the city's actually asked us to, to help uh, particularly with our vulnerable homeless population right now during this time. And their ministry has increased. Wow. Um, <laughs> and it's increased because of their, their, uh, their leaning in, they're engaging with their local city yeah. Uh, they're honoring, they're honoring, uh, you know, uh, their local government, uh, again, a God ordained institution. They're defending their rights, of course, to continue to gather in a, in a wise and a safe way. Um, but they're, you know, you, you don't hear about that. Right. Um, well, why? Because they're, they're, they're leading that, that quiet, godly, godly life. So I think it's a, it's a great thing. Uh, it's a, it's a great thing to strive for. And, uh, you know, we actually on on the podcast uh, that I host at the RLC called Capital Conversations. Uh, this week's episode is actually we're we're talking about the breakdown of civility um, because we have some new resources on courage and civility for churches to consider. Um, and so we were highlighting those. And one of our guests, an, an author named Catherine Parks, um, she said that uh, you know she 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 mentioned a quote about people saying if you have to choose between being uh, being uh, uh, right or kind, choose kind. Uh, and she was like, I kind of like that, but I also kind of hate that because the Christian understands that being right and being kind should not be, uh, in conflict. Uh, and there's a way to do both. Yeah. I want to talk about social media for a second, because I think that especially in COVID times when there's less, you know, face-to-face interaction, social media is really, kind of become the new town hall. It's where a lot of our dialogue t- takes place because now everybody has, you know, a microphone, so to speak. Um, and I feel like I've very rarely seen dialogue via Facebook or Instagram or, you know, you know, debate in the comments section. I've rarely seen that actually play out in a really healthy, productive way. Um, what yeah. do you think the Christian's role is with social media in the time when there are some legitimate debates and discussions that need to take take place about what's happening in the world. How do we engage that in a way that doesn't completely ruin our witness? Josh, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, and it's, to be honest with you, it's not one I have an answer to. I'm mm-hmm. still figuring that out. Um, I've seen people handle social, the people, I'll say this, the people who I've seen handle social media well are people that use their platform to help their friends and followers think Mm. uh, rather than the people who use their, uh, their platforms uh, to just, uh, to just sort of, uh, 
really be like a Pharisee to say like, I'm so thankful I'm not like these people, mm. whoever, yeah, yeah. whoever those people are, right? There's right. a lot of people that, that I think use social media in that way. Uh, or the people who just kind of use it to, uh, to fan the flames of, of controversy because it's fun. Right. Uh, or maybe because they're very, uh, they're very nervous or scared about a particular issue. Mm. Um, but I, I think the people who I've seen use social media well uh, in these last couple of years uh, have, have been people who use it to point to resources that help people think. And then the last thing that I would say is don't expect too much of social media. So mm. it's sort of like a town hall, but it's like a town hall from Parks and Rec. there's not much good happening yeah there's not much good happening there uh and so just recognize that and um you know i read this article i i I, long blog post on a blog called ribbon farm called the internet of beefs i don't know if you're familiar with it but Uh uh it's too much to go into here in this podcast but after reading that and recognizing that so much of what happens on the internet is just beef it's just Mm. beefing uh, you know, people say, look at this thing. And then, you know, all, of, you know, everybody just kind of beefs about it for a little bit. And then we go on to the next, look at this thing. And then everybody beefs about it for a second. That's just, you know, that's unhealthy uh, controversy uh, and um, not a good use of this time. <laughs> and so, you know, I think I've, uh, I've really been convicted of my own use of social media. Not so much that I like, uh, that I would post uh, angry things, you know, but I would, I would read them and, and let yeah. myself, you know, think about, think about Twitter more than I'm thinking about uh, scripture uh, or, or, uh, you know, or the responsibilities uh, before me. So uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's something that we're all trying to figure out, but I would also just encourage folks to, to not expect too much of it. And yeah. to uh, tweet less and talk to real people more. Mm. Dude, that's really good. Last question I w- that I want to ask you is this. You know, I think there's a lot of people in the world who are tired of Twitter, tired of, you know, Instagram, Facebook comment battles. And they, but they also see stuff in the world that they want to see change. They see racial injustice. They see stuff happening on the borders. They see all these things that they want to step into and they want to actually see change happen. How does a believer make change happen? How, how would you suggest any Christian that looks at the world and says, right, clearly things are broken and I want to see the gospel take root in some policy right. changes. Where do they even begin to, to fight for change? Well, something we, we often, um, we think about in our work at the ERLC is, um, we, we can only be effective culture shapers if, uh, if we are first shaping the culture within the church. Mm. So the church is supposed to be that embassy for the kingdom here in this world and in this time. So we care a whole lot more about what's happening in a church's college ministry uh, than necessarily how people are voting in a given election. We care a whole lot more about marriages in the body of Christ, that those are healthy uh, signposts for the mystery of the gospel, as Paul Mm -hmm. writes in Ephesians, right? 
than necessarily what's the latest TV show that has a bad picture uh, mm. of, of marriage, right? right? Like I don't expect culture. Uh, I don't expect culture to like point people to, to Christ, but I do expect uh, and I, and I think it's right to expect um, the culture of our churches to point people to Christ. That's yeah, why, totally. that's why we exist. That's why we gather as the body. Um, and so I think it, you know, it, it starts with, with really trying to make sure that our churches are, are places where, where the attributes of Christ and ultimately the gospel of Christ is, is put up as, as the highest priority of, of not only the gathered body of believers, but each individual life of the believer uh, in mm-hmm. that, in that church. Because, you know, if, if, if we think about, you know, those of us uh, who, who have, have tried to live faithfully as a single adult before we were married, um, what people tell you matters. Sure. Like what you read in a book matters when you see other uh, Christians living faithfully in a similar life stage, that's what really, you know, continues to bounce around in your head when you, when you think about what it looks like to faithfully follow Christ. Uh, And if we had, if we had more Christians thinking about how they could faithfully follow Christ in their everyday life, like that's, that's where culture change uh, starts. And then, you know, if, if that's, if that's your priority, if that's your first step, then I think we, you know, we, we need to find ways that we, that we can engage uh, in, in the issues of the day from everything from, I would, I would encourage folks to start locally. Um, what happens in your local city hall or school board uh, or, or district attorney's office matters a ton I mean, even, you know, we, we've referenced, uh, we've referenced how so much of this year from the horrific killings of Maude Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, uh, and, and too many others to count this year alone has, has stirred the attention of the nation once again to think about our criminal justice system uh, and, and other systems in, in ways in which we can seek true, you know, the, the America that we all want to live in of, yeah, totally. of equality and justice for all and, and certainly for the Christian right back to the beginning of our conversation, the Imago day that everybody would be treated, uh, you know, from the pre-born all the way through uh, as, as image bearers of God of unique, immeasurable worth and dignity. Uh, so much of those changes can't happen here in Washington, D.C. Mm. Uh, those changes have to happen locally in states, locally in counties, locally in in cities, in neighborhoods, even right. I mean, think about I my uh, you know my uh, I I had a friend tell me once that uh, a local African American pastor in his community uh, had the cops called on on him just he was out walking for an for exercise and he didn't have his phone. He didn't have his wallet on him. Cause why would you, when you're just like walking around your own neighborhood, <laughs> right, but totally. somebody felt uncomfortable in his own neighborhood and, and the police came and, and just trying to respond. And, you know, it, it wasn't like an explosive situation or anything like that, but it's a reminder of like, how are we treating and loving our neighbors? Do we know our neighbors? Totally. Right? Yeah. Like, and, ha- and you know, where, where is, uh, where, you know, where is it that God, has placed you to make a difference right there in your community. And, and who are the organizations right there in your community? So if, if you are grieved by the abortion culture in our country, find a pregnancy help center uh, mm. who is, is serving people. 
situation uh, and, uh, and, and finding ways to save life every single day and take care of, of, uh, of, of women and, uh, and families that feel like they're, they're in crisis and finding ways that the church can come alongside them. Find those ways that you can help real people in everyday situations, right? If you care about immigration, uh, find, you know, find a, uh, in, in, in immigrants and refugees, right? Find a, a ministry serving. Uh, so if you're in Texas there, it's a border state, find ministries serving on the border, uh, doing heroic work, caring for, for the vulnerable who might be seeking asylum from, uh, oppression or, or violence from wherever they've, they've come from. Uh, and, and yeah, like raise those issues, uh, in uh, with your elected officials, that's great. Our laws do need to reflect. Uh, our laws do need to reflect a a uh, what I would say is a, a biblically mandated uh, issues of justice, uh, but also caring for real people in real situations uh, in the here and now uh, is you know is is one of the ways not only that we make real change, uh, but also a way that that God reminds us of of His sovereignty. And the ways in which that, yeah, there might be, you know, there there might be a lot of problems in the world, uh, but God ultimately isn't calling you to fix all of those problems. He's calling you to trust him. He's calling you to, to be still and know that he is God. And he's calling you to follow him where, where he's leading you. Uh, and, you know, thankfully, he's written a book. We have his word. The word right. became flesh and we still have it. And so we know what the greatest commandment is. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and so in that, um, you know, you'll, you will be able to push back the darkness in the corner of the, of the world where God has placed you, recognizing where your citizenship is, is ultimately. Uh, and, and, that, and that your Savior, you know, his kingdom is still advancing. He is still on his throne, even when everything around us feels feels confusing and might even feel chaotic. Uh, we can trust in in his sovereignty, uh, and that and that he has a plan, and that even when it doesn't make sense to us, Romans tells us that he's working all of all of these things for the good of those of those who love him. Yeah, dude, that's that's so good. And man, I hope that anyone listening one is you know inspired but also feels equipped to say okay cool like like i don't have to take a road trip to washington dc to see change actually happen like i can start right where i am and start you know in my local church and then even you know local organizations i feel like it's a lot more practical than we oftentimes make it yeah yeah we do we we make things too difficult uh we we really do um you know and 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 the other thing I would say is, uh, uh, you know, we we not only make things too difficult in in sometimes just just following Christ and, and trusting Christ, but mm-hmm. but also with you know with these big issues of change, and so that's why politics sometimes it, it kind of it kind of just paralyzes people because the problems. Yeah, totally feel too big. And then we just send out an angry tweet and feel <laughs> like we've done something right. Right. Yeah. Totally. Uh, when, when what God is calling you to uh, could be a next step as simple as meeting your neighbor mm. and caring for them and seeing what, you know, what burdens them? Uh, what are ways that, that you can help love and, and, and care for your neighbor during this tumultuous time? Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, really good. 
Jeff, thanks for uh, taking time, man. Where where can people learn more about you and the ERLC and what y'all are doing? And also, you have a podcast that you mentioned. Yeah. Tell everybody all things Jeff Pickering. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I, I will say it's funny cause we're, we're talking about social media, but you, uh, in, in ways it's not good. Uh, but <laughs> if you, if you want to read more about, uh, you know, what I'm, what I'm writing and, and my podcast, follow me on Twitter and, uh, you can find our podcast wherever you are listening to podcasts. It's capital conversations. That's capital with an O, uh, because capital with an O is the Capitol building, the dome. Capital with an A is the city. So that's one way to remember it. Dome O, <laughs> Capital Conversations. Uh, it's a weekly podcast uh, where we we aim to help Christians imagine a new way to engage in the public square. Uh, so we're talking about the big public debates, news of news, news throughout the world uh, with both ERLC leaders as well as guests, uh, external guests, every week talking about these issues. Um, and, uh, you can learn more about the ERLC at, uh, at the ERLC.com. Um, I think I just said the ERLC. It's just www.erlc.com. <laughs> uh, you can, you can keep up with, uh, with our articles, our events, uh, our podcasts, all, all there. Cool. Well, Jeff, excited for what, uh, God has in store for for y'all and just to hear everything that y'all are doing is absolutely incredible. So thanks for uh, taking time and stopping by, man. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again. It was great talking with you, Josh. Well, I hope that you enjoyed our conversation with Jeff Pickering. Uh, Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Jeff Pickering to stay up to date with him and his podcast. If you liked what you heard today, we'd be so appreciative if you would subscribe or rate our podcast. Uh, Believe it or not, it actually really does go a long way. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We'll see you all next time.